This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The government holds another event 201-like training simulation, but this time for elections. You're listening to the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. Let's dive in. So the federal government and many state and local governments recently held another Event 201-like training simulation. I know most of you are familiar with Event 201, the pandemic simulation that the government conducted back in 2019, just before the start of the, quote, pandemic, the real pandemic. It was a training that foreshadowed much of what would happen in the years that followed. I mean, to a T, what they did in Event 201 is what they did during the actual pandemic. It, it was almost like they planned it, which some people see it that way. Many believe that it was, like I just mentioned, less of a training in anticipation of a crisis that might happen and more of a practice session for a crisis that they knew was coming because they were creating it. That is what some people believe. I may or may not believe that depending on what platform this is this is streaming to or that i'm uploading it to if it's youtube then i then definitely no definitely don't believe that don't kick me off okay back to what i was saying so that's that doesn't matter for now either way if these exercises if they foretell the future events which that that is what's important if they do foretell the events whether planned or or whether just preparation then they're definitely worth paying attention to when they crop up which brings us to an exercise that the government held at the end of August. And that exercise was called Tabletop the Vote. Tabletop the Vote. Get out the vote, tabletop the vote. We live in a society right now where everything is a get out the vote effort. Every single thing that we see is a get out the vote effort. The news is articles that we read that may or may not be reported in the news, the drudge headlines, speeches that people give. It is all, we heard Biden, Biden just randomly during his speeches lately, I had some clips of this, maybe I can find him here in a second, just start saying, vote, 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 vote. And the people in the crowd just start chanting it with him, vote, 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 vote. Like, like what is that game called? Simon Says. It's like a big game of Simon Says, and everybody chants along with him, vote, vote, vote. But it's not just him doing that. It's it's everybody doing that. And Biden does it not even at strategic times during speeches. He does it randomly, which is makes it even stranger that people who who mimic him, they just they shout it out randomly too. It's they're they're mind controlled slaves. That's all I'm veering off of here. Let's let's go. Here it is right here. I want you to hear this. We're just 76 days away from the midterm election. 76 days. And the to state end. the obvious, there's a lot at stake. So I want to be crystal clear about what's on the ballot this year. Actually, this is a clip that I never played for you guys. So it ends with a vote, 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 the mind control stuff. And I am going to get back to the tabletop of the vote in a second. I've just derailed again. We had some technical problems today. Just by the way, Cam was going to do the show. The power went out in Florida for like the whole night. 
it's weird because Ford and California, people compare and contrast those. They were telling people to conserve power in California. Florida, they weren't necessarily doing that, but the storms, transformers go out, whatever. I just know that in his area, the power's been out for hours upon hours, and it's just strange timing sometimes. Sometimes it is just a coincidence. Sometimes it might be something else there. So I am a little bit discombobulated, and I will get back to the tabletop to vote stuff, but I do want you to hear this because he does, as he says, tell us what's on the ballot, and then they do the, the vote, 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 mind-controlled chant at the end here. Your right to choose is on the ballot this year. Right to choose, yeah. The Social Security you paid for from the time you had a job is on the ballot. The, the Social Security. He sounded like Harry Carey there, hammered in the seventh inning of a Cubs game. The safety of your kids from gun violence is on the ballot. Right, right, from gun violence, from evil MAGA, MAGA Republicans targeting your children are on the ballot. And it's not hyperbole. The very survival of our planet is on the ballot. So I think that we can feel pretty confident knowing that any time that Joe Biden starts a sentence with, and it's not hyperbole, that the thing that he's about to say is absolutely ridiculous hyperbole. That the planet, let's hear that again, because he's not done here. And that's what I thought was most interesting about this clip. This is just the middle of his list. You would think you would end on that note. It's not hyperbole. The very survival of our planet is on the ballot. Very survival. Your right to vote is on the ballot. The very survival of the planet's on the ballot. And even your right to vote's on the ballot. Wow. Even the democracy. Even the democracy. Are you ready to fight for these things now? As if, if he were serious, if it were not hyperbole, and the planet, the, literally the planet were on the ballot, he could have stopped there and said, are you ready to, for, to fight for the very survival of this planet? You'd think that that would be what people would cheer about. But he had to even add on. So heightening and improv and stuff is, is you don't want to go from a 1 to a 10 immediately because then you don't have anywhere to go. You, you can only get so ridiculous. You want to you do a slow build of heightening, of building the tension before you get to the 10. And he kind of put the 10 in the middle there. So uh, Republicans are going to kill your babies. Uh, immigrants, uh, Republicans are going to kill immigrants. Republicans are going to kill a transgender. I, I'm just speculating. I can't remember exactly what it was. And even in the planet, the very survival of the planet is on the ballot and your right to vote and even the democracy. If this were a mistake, and I speculated about this, so I thought about this for a while. Did he make a mistake when he did this? Or was that actually the order that they wanted this to be in? Like, or, or did he just improvise that little line there? I'm not sure. At first, I thought definitely, and he just kind of threw that in, in the middle. But I, I actually don't think he did. I just think he didn't say it with the right cadence. I think he needed to say it. So you can say things that are ridiculous in, a, in an increasing Kate. So uh, Republicans are going to kill your babies. Republicans are going to kill the immigrants. Even the, the planet itself is on the ballot. Even the right to vote. So you see what I'm saying? If you raise that tension just in tone, you can still make it seem that way. I think he had too much of an increased tone there. However, I think I am totally rambling, and I do apologize about that. I do have some good stuff for you today. Uh, it's been a long day. But I think that they threw that in the middle because it's obviously a climate change and ESG type thing. The sake of the planet is on the ballot, so you need to vote for candidates who are going to promote ESG policies. There's a battle but, uh, for, over ESG 
across the country right now. And I think that they're saying that what's more important and what's more personal, because you want to connect with the actual audience. Most people can't really, you say the sake of the planet is on the ballot, climate change shit stuff, sorry. People don't connect with that. It's not personal. It's too distant and it's too rhetorical to them. But when you, you get it back to your right to vote and you get it back to, well, democracy is also very rhetorical. But they wanted to end with democracy. And I genuinely think that they were arranging climate change in the middle of that followed by the right to vote, followed by democracy, which they want to pin on MAGA Republicans and say they're going to destroy the entire effing thing. And, and if, they, if they destroy all of that, then it won't even matter that the plan is destroyed. It, it's just, I really overanalyzed that clip because it's so bizarre to me. It's just a bizarre clip. Well, then you need to do one thing. Vote. Vote. God, I just, he could have said a lot of things after then you need to do one thing. But here is the little mind control vote, vote, vote thing. And he does this at all of his speeches at random times. He just starts shouting this and the crowd, like little mind controlled slaves whose brains are melted, just they go along with it. Are you ready to fight for these things now? Yeah, yeah let's fight for the planet. ESG, I love it, ESG. Well, then you need to do one thing. Vote. Vote. You got it. Okay, that one was stage directed. That one was definitely stage directed. There was a couple of other times where he did it, and then they were kind of reluctant to jump in, and this was from the speech the other night from a couple of other speeches. They do it all the time. All right, away from that rant and back to the main story that I wanted to talk to you about today. I could have more self-control than that. So the tabletop, the vote. All right, so tabletop, the vote was conducted in preparation for the 2022 midterm elections. That's what it says on the website. And before going into the specifics that are available about it, I want to define what a tabletop exercise is real quick. Event 201, it was also a tabletop exercise. Tabletop exercises, and this is according to ready.gov, they are discussion-based sessions where team members meet in an informal classroom setting to discuss their roles during an emergency and their responses to a particular emergency situation. So what, where are you going to go? What's your role going to be? And how are you going to respond in these crisis moments? And they game all of that stuff out. And there's videos of, of all of many different tabletop exercises online. They oftentimes have videos showcasing maybe the way a news reporter might act if you saw some of the Event 201 and other exercises. And it goes on to say that, where were we here? Okay. So it goes on to say that what they do is they identify probable scenarios for emergencies and business disruption. And then they use those scenarios that they identify, the, the potential crisis that they expect to happen, that Bill Gates has on his list of things that just might happen. And they use those as the basis for the tabletop exercises. And then they have a facilitator guide them through it. That, that's, the, that's the generic structure that it says on that ready.gov website. But what's interesting about these exercises, and this is where the the questions of, is it a plan or is it, is it preparation or is it something you have planned to come in, in my opinion, is that what happens after these exercises, this is according to ready.gov again, is that a functional exercise or a full scale exercise might occur. Now, 
they describe a full-scale exercise here as being as close to the real thing, the real crisis, as possible, meaning that they go out and they have crisis actors, they have people out in the streets. Oftentimes, people are completely unaware that there is a simulation training going on. And this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. There's even been instances where people have, have gotten, I think, hurt in many of these. You know, if, if, you, if we presume or if we, if we consider the possibility that some of these events that we see are these exercises just gone live in real time, then a lot of people have potentially gotten hurt in them. But what happened in the pandemic, many people believe, is that that was just a full-scale exercise gone live that the public just didn't know that they, that they were part of because it was so prescient in the predictions and in, in, in the future that it, it foretold to us. And that's why I want to tell you guys what this tabletop the vote exercise is, because if it is as prescient, if I'm using that term right, if it is telling us the future, then I think that we should know what they're focusing on in this exercise. Now, unfortunately, there are not videos of the actual training session, but there is a little bit of other information that I think is fairly revealing. The organization, this thing is not, let me get this down, sorry. So the organization that is holding the training session, they already held the training session, it was the end of August, is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. And this is a federal agency, and according to Wikipedia, which we know is 100% truth, they are an operational component under the Department of Homeland Security, their oversight. And what they do, and this is per their about page, is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, leads the national effort to understand, manage, and reduce risk to our cyber and physical infrastructure. And then it says, we connect our stakeholders in industry and government to each other and to resources, analysis, and tools to help them build their own cyber communications and physical structure and resilience, in turn helping to ensure a secure and resilient infrastructure for the American people. The head of the CISA is a Biden appointee, and the infrastructure focus on that is very interesting because we know that new infrastructure bill was passed. A lot of it's going to be smart infrastructure, a lot of questions about what is, what is not infrastructure, which apparently everything is infrastructure now, and disinformation, misinformation online is right at the heart of all of this, of this infrastructure organization, which was just created in 2017 or 2018, I believe. And, all right, so here's a press release before I go into that. This is a press release. I pulled a few relevant passages from the press release for the tabletop, the vote. All right, hold on one second here. Take a note. I'm doing uh, all, the, all the tech and production. I'm doing this like it's a live stream just to give you guys some insight or some, what's it called? Some inside base. Give you guys some inside baseball, you know. I'm doing it like a live stream because that is how I can get it done quicker. I Sometimes I don't always do it like a live stream, but if I get my mindset like it is a live stream, then I think I can get more done and get you guys more content that 
and I can have more time to research things deeper. So that that's why I'm doing this like it's a live stream, even though I'm not technically live streaming it right now, but it is being produced like that. So, which means I'm doing all of the production stuff and I'm looking at my notes and I got the stream yard up and going. I got three monitors going. There's the inside baseball. Let's get back to the show here. Uh, thank you guys for your patience today. Cause it's, I, I, I think we need to, I, I want to see if this stuff plays out. Now I'm really interested in what's going to happen in the midterms of 2018. After seeing they did this, the press release says, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, in coordination with the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, National Association of Secretaries of State, and the National Association of State Election Directors, hosted the nation's largest annual election security exercise this week. Public and private election security partners from across the country participated in the fifth annual tabletop vote. Now, we'll stop it there. That would mean the first annual tabletop of the vote happened in 2017, shortly after Trump was elected. Now, is that because Trump was instrumental in pushing this forward? He did sign something creating this agency, but the person who is the head of the agency now, as I said, is a Biden appointee. But the tabletop of the vote thing started before that agency started. I don't know who conducted the first one because the agency did not get created until 2018. Was it created because of what happened in 2016 with Trump winning? I don't know. I I, I kind of lean towards the WWE thing where they're all kind of in it together. Maybe they're frenemies. But honestly, I think there can be factions. I do believe there can be factions. And I, I do believe these people are a bunch of backstabbers who are power hungry. And I, I think that they might not even know what each, each other are in certain instances. I think they all could be double spies for whoever. Back to the press release here. It says... Public and private election security partners from across the country participated in the fifth annual tabletop vote. The exercise, which was not in response to any specific or credible threat. I love how they put that in there. It was not in response to any specific or credible threat. Just like none of the FBI investigating of people's social media, using their technology to scrape people's social media, none of it was based on specific or credible threats. It didn't have to be. Some of it might have been. But the head of the Department of Defense during a panel discussion said it doesn't have to be based on a specific or credible threat. Because of Joe Biden's strategy for countering domestic terrorism, they now have more purview, more power to investigate without there being a specific or credible threat. And I think this probably relates to that. So so they're not doing this for specific or relatable or credible threats, but the stuff that they're recommending locales do when it comes to investigating social media, looking for red flags for people who might cause a problem, those things all fall under that. It doesn't have to be specific or credible. There just has to be patterns of behavior is what it seems like. And those patterns of behavior you know, might be that you didn't wear a mask in a photo on Facebook. You attended a, a protest was, that was against mandates, something like that. All right. The exercise was not in response to any uh, credible threat. It included a range of hypothetical scenarios affecting election operations, giving participants the opportunity to share practices around cyber and physical incident planning, preparedness, identification, response, and recovery. And here we go. Yeah, right. So this, yeah, the fifth annual and 2017. It's very propaganda-y the way this thing is laid out. This is a joint statement that was released by a bunch of the, the people who conducted, that were the heads of this, including the head of the CISA. 
CIS, that's funny. He's put an S in front of the, take the S out, you get CIA. The nation's election officials face a range of challenges, including cyber and physical risk to their infrastructure and false election information that weakens voters' trust in the process. I'm going to read that again for my own purposes, actually, because I went too fast. The nation's election officials face a range of challenges, including cyber and physical risk to their infrastructure and false election information that weakens voters' trust in the process. That is an interesting way to put that, is it not? So they're worried about false election information that weakens trust in the process as though that's what's important and not the truth or the reality. So even what if it's not false election information? What, What if there's true election information that also weakens trust in the process? Is that something that needs to be countered? I think absolutely it is because they call stuff like that, they just call it false information without question typically because they are all about trust. Restore the trust in all of the institutions, the Davos Initiative. That way people will not have their guard up critical soldiers at the front of their minds or cognitive warriors will be asleep and they can slip all that BS into our minds without that resistance at the front of our brains. The trust in the process. We should not trust the process, in my opinion. Now, we shouldn't throw the process out completely, but we should also have a healthy skepticism all the time. If we don't have a healthy skepticism towards the process, then the process owns us. It owns our brains. We are defenseless to it if we do not maintain a healthy skepticism, not just towards that which we already disagree, but towards that which we are more likely, more inclined to agree with, just passionately agree with. We need to maintain that healthy skepticism for democracy, democracy, as Biden says, for the Democratic Republic to remain. Without it, then we're all slaves, in my opinion. Without having those cognitive warriors on guard as often as we possibly can. All right. Man, so I was playing this show out, and I was like, man, do I have enough material? And I don't ever factor in just setting myself off on on ridiculous rants. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I have enough stuff. But today, I'm like, I haven't even gotten through my first page of notes here. And I've already given way too much kind of nonsensical rants. Let's get back to what I was talking about because I want you guys to hear this. Uh, all right, here we go. Where was I? The nation's election. Okay, all right. Trust in the process. In the face of the dynamic environment, of this dynamic environment, the election community works closely together to ensure the election community. Is that like the, what, what is that? The LGBTQI the community? Uh, they put everybody in communities what, what is everybody who, what is the election community? I mean, this is what it says in their press release. I'm guessing they're talking about election workers. That's, that's what I would guess. Election officials. Because the election community is the entire country. Are we not all affected by elections? Do we not all, not all, but most people have at least a, a right to vote. We all have a right. Some people aren't able to because of, Whatever, something happened, they they went to prison or something, and whatever. The right to vote, we should all be the election community. So what is this election community they speak of? And they say this election, election community works closely together to ensure the American people can be confident in the security and resilience of the 2022 elections. It is interesting, again, that they separated election community from American people there. 
Uh, who who is in this election community? How do we get in? Is it like a a weird thing where everybody's wearing a mask and having group sex when you walk into the election community? What is this election community? Who are these people? Okay, so they just want to build our confidence in in, in the security of it. It's not th- that's what bothers me. I'm going to keep reiterating this: is they don't focus on making sure it's right. They don't focus on the integrity of it. Make you're never going to have a 100% perfect election. It's just not going to happen. It does not matter how sophisticated your technology gets. There's always hackers who are just as sophisticated, probably more so than whatever they're they're using. And th- that's if we assume everybody who's operating the elections is operating in good faith, which that is a terrible assumption that is never true. So that that's also another premise. But even if we give them the benefit of doubt, there's still going to be problems. Yet they don't have that idea of, Perfect practice makes perfect, or there's always a room for room for improvement. UGA beat Oregon. UGA is ranked third. I despise UGA. I'm a Georgia Tech fan, so I have no hope when it comes to that, which is good because I pay less attention to sports, which is just a waste of time watching football anyway, even though I would watch it if they were good. But UGA won by like 50 points against a number 11 ranked team. It was like a flawless game. And their coach came out, and the first thing he said was, here's a couple things we can improve on. Because it didn't matter how great they played. There's always room to improve. And yet we don't see that type of mindset. We don't see the coach's mindset when it comes to election security. We just need people to trust us. We just need you to trust that we are good, that we're secure. If you just ask like Georgia fans, just trust that we are number one. That's it. We just need you to trust it. Then it's not going to really do it for them. They, they need you to win the games. They need to see the, the proof that it's secure. Yet they want us to rely on trust alone and, and to not question it because if you do, you're undermining democracy itself and, and maybe the planet, climate change, whatever. Th- that ticks me off. And, and the fact that the federal agency that is in charge of this focuses on that, it, it just shows you that these uh, this is all BS. I want to swear so bad, but I just can't, I can't do it right now. Uh, we will continue. This week's exercise was just one of many examples of the year-round coordination taking place among the federal government, state, and local election officials. I'll read that again. This week's exercise was just one of the many examples of the year-round coordination taking place among the federal, state, and local election officials and the private sector to prepare for the 2022 general election. So they've been working all year, at least this year, with the people in your community, who are they? I don't know. Can you trust them? They're probably they're probably acting in good faith, or perhaps it's one of the plants that people like Indivisible or these other groups put in the various locales. I saw something about that candidate in Pennsylvania. Not to go too far off the off the chains here, the guy had a stroke. He's running against Doctor Oz. He was like like you could not you could not create a worse candidate when it comes to political skill like presentation skills. He's a smart guy, yeah, but just he doesn't come off in a way that's that's really wooing people over, even if his ideas are, are good, because he's losing to a guy who had a stroke and, and has a hard time talking. Like I, I feel like I want the guy to be okay. My dad had a stroke. It changes people. Having a stroke, is it, it it's tough, it, which makes it extraordinary that he is actually campaigning and, and running right now. And he has a hard time finishing some sentences and stuff, coming up with words, which I think a lot of us do over the past couple of years. It's weird, but it's very distinct with, with this guy. And, and Dr. Oz, he 
he has no chance against him, apparently. Or maybe he'll win. I, I honestly don't know what the, the points are right now. But what I do know is that that guy, he moved to a town where it was, it was just destroyed. And he, it's, he was basically planted into a town out of Harvard to spread the progressive agenda Went back when he started in politics. And that's what a lot of these people are. They're plants that are sent around to various parts of the country where they can exercise their influence. They can work up their political chops in smaller areas, and then they maybe take a, a small—it's just like or, it's organizing, it's unionizing, it's— I don't want to say just communists because all all groups do this, but they send their fleets out, their warriors across the country to reside in places and become one with the people in those locales. So are the people who they're training actual genuine members of the community, of your community, my community, or are they plants who they've trained and they've sent is my question. And I actually want to know now who and where I live has been part of this. I'm going to see if I can find that out, actually, because that, that's I would like to talk to that person. All right. All 50 states, the District of Columbia, the territories, and the thousands, and thousands of local jurisdictions share and receive threat information through multiple channels, including the Election Infrastructure Information Sharing and Analysis Center. That is a real thing. I'll put it up here on screen for you. So this is something that I saw that, and I was like, hmm, what, what is that, this election infrastructure information mean, that's quite a name the election infrastructure information sharing and analysis center it's got the it's the ei-isac as they call it and let me share screen hold on it's loading i i looked at this website and it was just i had so much other information up on my screen that it was a bit overwhelming and i haven't gone all the way through it yet but i encourage you guys to and i'm going to in time and here's what it looks like for those who are who are watching and not just listening. It's it's a blue s- screen says Election Infrastructure Information Sharing and Analysis Center. It's a community of dedicated election officials and cybersecurity professionals working side by side to ensure the integrity of elections among US state, local, tribal, and territorial governments. And the membership benefits are you get 24-7, 365 Security Operations Center offering threat intelligence detection and response. So you get to be monitored and watched by Big Brother. That's one of your member benefits if you decide to go with this in your community. Another member benefit is election-specific threat reports, uh, discounted and no-cost cybersecurity tools and resources, which they will have control over and have all the data on, access to annual self-assessment survey to evaluate the cybersecurity maturity, and and no-cost layered defense for election security. This is just just a way to federalize all of the elections under the guise of we're going to help you protect all of your information, make sure your elections go well. That, that's like a trick right there is what it is. And I would never in my right mind uh, put my organization under the, the watch of that group. It goes on to say that rigorous safeguards are in place to ensure the cyber and physical security of election equipment and procedures and protocols are continuous. Let me read that again. I, I flubbed that line there for a second. Rigorous safeguards are in place to ensure the cyber and physical security of election equipment and procedures and protocols are continuously improved to further identify, respond to, and recover from potential incidents. We remain committed to election security and to supporting election officials, government and industry partners, and others who serve the front lines of our democracy. Go F yourself, fold up, roll down a hill, and Hunter Biden yourself with a crack pipe 
I'm so sick and tired of the front lines of democracy rhetoric. Biden literally ended his speech the other day by saying, God bless America, democracy. And then he later tweeted out democracy with an exclamation point. They think that we're stupid. I mean, that, that's something that you say to a child, to an infant who just doesn't know what you, to a, 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 I mean, dogs are smarter than that. Infants are smarter than that. That is such an insult, the way that they do that. I don't know how people don't get more pissed off at the, democracy. Who just shouts democracy and people just start clapping? Yeah, they don't even know what he's talking about. He's never defined what they mean. They leave it intentionally vague so that they can flexibly apply it to whatever they want to and so that they can call whatever they don't like fascism or whatever else. Democracy has been what's called in the propaganda literature since the beginning of time. Well, maybe not that long, but However, however long they've been documenting the propaganda literature in the in the schools. Here's a book. I got two books here. One of them doesn't even have a cover anymore because it's so old. It is they all talk about the glittering generality that the word democracy is. That you will never see it clearly defined by anyone because that will bound them to that definition if they ever did that. So they just use it to manipulate people. And Biden doesn't even try anymore. He just walks around and says, oh, oh, democracy. But what are you going to do about all the gun violence in, in our town? What's going on? Democracy. Oh, uh, President Biden, your dog it bit somebody. What are you, Democracy. Oh, wh- what are you going to have for dinner? President? Democ- he just shouts democracy and people clap for him. It's like somebody walks around with him, behind him, a producer, holding an applause sign. And every time he says something, that person just holds up the applause sign and everybody just you know, Simon Says is right along with it. It pisses me off, man. My gosh, I did not think I was going to be all worked up about this, but I've gotten myself all worked up. And it goes on to say, I'm still not even through that. The fifth annual tabletop the vote included participants from the federal government, including CISA, the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, the U.S. Department of Defense, Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the U.S. Department of Justice, the NSA, National Security Agency, the National Guard Bureau, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, of course, the U.S. Postal Service Office of Inspector General, and U.S. Postal Inspection Service. State and local officials from across the country also participated, as well as more than a dozen election security industry partners. What a massive, massive effort that they have put together to convince us that the elections that have integrity. Like all of that effort is not put together to make sure they have integrity, to eliminate as many possible flaws and problems as possible. All of that effort is put together, is coordinated across the country, no telling how many people, to convince us that we should trust it, not to make it trustworthy. That, that's, that's what's extraordinary here. This is all to convince us that, it, that we should trust it. It's not to make it actually trustworthy. The crock of BS. Okay. So I wasn't able to find any videos on this training, this uh, tabletop thing, tabletop the vote, unfortunately. I looked. I found some still images, but I could not find any, actually video, any actual videos. And I think they did these across the country from some of the still images that I found. But I can share with you what some of their focus seems to be based on. Um, they have some titles. So they have these packets they give out to all of the 
the states and the election officials that conduct or do. So this wasn't just like a national exercise. This was a national exercise, and this was an exercise that election officials across the country who participated in did it. And from what I can see, a lot did. I, I don't think that all precincts or, or uh, yeah, voting precincts did. Am I saying that right? I don't know. I don't think they all did, but I think that a lot of them did looking at this these numbers right here. Yeah. So they gave them scenario packets that have the scenarios in there that they're, they then, then do the exercises with everybody. And they also have situation manuals. And here's some of the titles. This is like a lot of material. I went through some of it, but it's just an overwhelming amount of information. So I'm still kind of digesting it all. So today I'm just going to give you what the titles are that I think indicates some of the threats that they anticipate or perhaps they're planning on happening. Election Security Insider Threat, the CTEP Situation Manual. So that one, from what I read, is someone who is working on the inside, who has gotten a job, they've infiltrated, they're going to sabotage it from the inside, right out of the simple sabotage manual. I could see that happening. That could be a false flag. It could be a legitimate concern, a legitimately concerned citizen. Then we have Election Security Active Shooter. So that's one that, it's like a crossover. You know, the shows they cross over, we have the the shootings, the March for Life that happens, and that's usually separated from the election stuff. But it sounds like maybe they're worried about a crossover happening where it's an active shooter at an election site. Now that that'll strike terror in people's in people's hearts, won't it? Now, where might that happen? Now, if they're gonna do something like that, they'll they'll probably end up doing it before the actual election, my guess. Before the the main election day, they'll probably do it on one of the either leading up to it on a day where there's not as many people at an election site, or they would do it during like, are all the special elections over? Are all the primaries over? I don't know if they all are. They would do it on a, a preliminary election day if they were to have something like that rolled out. Yeah. And then another one here says the election security, civil unrest. That's just people, you know, causing January 6th and, you know, insurrection in their, their election precincts, I guess. And then another one here is the cybersecurity issues with vote by mail and election day voting machines. So they're anticipating that there's going to be some sort of hacks and problems that happen that make the count messed up or whatever, put it, make it vulnerable. And they all, the website also focuses heavily on stopping mis- and disinformation leading up to the 2022 midterms. And they provide a bunch of resources to help us and to help local election officials in stopping that, that disinformation and fighting back against it. And my favorite one that they gave us to, before I give you this, actually, because this is, this is some cool videos here. They're funny. Is the question that I have is, what's going to happen here? It, are they going to... Do you think, I'm, I'm asking you guys, and it might depend on the outcome, but they're obviously anticipating something happening. And I think it's probably going to be complete pandemonium after reading through this. I think there's going to be chaos. I think it's going to be complete chaos leading up, maybe on and maybe a little bit after, because there's going to be some events. Maybe they're false flags. Maybe they're natural. Maybe their FBI surrounded the dumbest person they could find and they entrapped them. Something is going to happen. It's going to be thrust into the news. Will the storyline, will the narrative be that because of all of their security efforts, because of their coordination across the country, basically at the federal level, the federal co-option of the state and local election process, are they going to say we thwarted, we thwarted the attack? Like they always say when the FBI stops the dumbest person on the planet after they put the ideas in their head and gave them the bomb and then stopped them. Are they going to say that, that it was successful 
And then that justifies the need to go ahead and codify all, all the federal the federalizing of the elections. Or is something going to actually happen? They'll let it happen, or maybe they'll cause it to happen. Who knows? And then they'll blame it on an election-denying MAGA Republican getting revenge, finding another reason to put the domestic you know, terror label on that. And then they themselves saying that, yeah, 2020 was the most secure election ever on the planet. But 2024 was was thwarted by the the election-denying MAGA Republicans. I don't know which one it's going to be. Maybe it depends on the outcome. I don't know. Before we go into this next section here, I I meant to show you this. To give you a better idea of what the CISA is, they have a little introduction video on their YouTube page, on their website also. And (laughs) it's kind of... I'll let you guys hear it before I comment on it. I... It's interesting. It's it's very. It, it gives you insights into kind of what they think about themselves. Here it is. This is the CISA video. This was uploaded, uh, I think, not too long ago. Here we go. Put this up on screen. And uh, boom. We live in an interconnected world. Blew my ears out there. So let me turn that down a little bit. All right. Take it back. Okay. Here we go. We live in an interconnected world, linked with family and friends, doing business in ways never possible before. Connectedness strengthens our communities and our nation, but comes with responsibility to protect against the threats that seek to undermine our way of life. We are the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. We are CISA. We are CISA. I'm going to take that back for a second because I want to describe some of the visuals to the people who are just listening. When it starts in the beginning there and they're talking about the interconnected world, it says interconnected world on the screen and it's very digital and it shows how everything is connected. You know, globalism, federalized government. And then it goes shows some images of Washington, D.C. And then when it starts talking about responsibility to protect against the threats that seek to undermine our way of life, it is that the Hoover Dam? I, I don't know, but there's some giant dam that they show, I guess. I guess that's one of the thing, threats that they're worried about. Somebody's going to, they're, they're going to hack the, the Hoover Dam or whatever that is, and, and water is going to flood everywhere, which some people might need that water. It's just an interesting visual. See, people do these voiceovers. There's a lot of documentaries like this too, where they just get a bunch of voiceovers or a bunch of interviews, and then they put music underneath it, and then they, they just throw random visuals up there that may or may not be any way associated with what they're talking about and just hope people don't stop and recognize it. I just thought that was a little bit of a weird image. And it has this red, hacky, like ones and zeros stuff. It, it, this is a very propaganda-heavy video. I'll stop talking and let you guys hear it. strengthens our communities and our nation, but comes with responsibility to protect against the threats that seek to undermine our way of life. We are the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. We are CISA. Defending against the threats of today and securing against the risks of tomorrow in five critical areas that span the threat landscape. Technology is always evolving. I have to take that back. I want to hear that again. Risks of tomorrow in five critical areas. CISA. Defending against the threats of today and securing against the risks of tomorrow in five critical areas that span the threat landscape. Technology is always evolving. We work to reduce the risks of... All right, so I'm going to have to uh, take a note there. If you're... 
So I just I just did a rant about all of this, about what they said in that video, and I realized I had my mic muted, so it looks like I was conducting an orchestra the way my hands were moving around. Maybe I'll put that on some B-roll footage. But they just claimed here that they oversaw the most secure election in U.S. history. That That's what they... There's a lot of people who have made that claim. Usually we hear it in rhetorical fashion from Democrat, progressive politicians on the media that supports those ideas, CNN, MSNBC. Has there ever once been like actual evidence presented to, to do that? How, how do you even present evidence? I mean, this is an organization here. The, the CISA, the Cyber Infrastructure Security Agency, who was charged with protecting the election. I mean, this is what they do. They're under the, the Department of, of Justice or Defense. They're, they're overseen by them. And, and they're making a claim here that not only was 2020 the most secure, they oversaw it. So tell me, please, how, how do you prove that? Can somebody please prove that? You go into like a job interview and somebody's looking at your resume and says, oh, I see here that, that wow, you oversaw the, the most secure election in U.S. history? Well, well before you, you tell me, how can you, can you prove that comparatively? There is no way to prove that. That is such a ridiculous statement. And the organization that is conducting tabletop training sessions on how to secure the election specifically that I'm focused on from dis and misinformation is sitting here telling us this rhetorical BS that people like Joe Biden and other idiots, I mean, they're not dumb. They know what they're doing. They know they're lying. They know they're just saying presumptions to try and program people's minds because their little cognitive warriors aren't up. But this is, a, uh, this is supposed to be like a legit agency. Obviously, it's not. All, all of my faith, that, not that I had any in them, is gone when you make an idiotic statement like that. That is so ridiculous. That's like saying, you know, you get in an argument with somebody, like maybe your, your wife or your husband, somebody you're dating, and you say, you always do this. You always do that. And it's always something, see, I just did it there. It's usually something that's said out of anger that's never that conclusive. It's never that decisive, never that, that binary as they would. And it, the, the reality is always in the gray area. The fact that they can't acknowledge that, that gray area, which everyone knows is true. Everyone knows that elections are not 100%. They never have been and they never will be. And for them to treat us like we're stupid. I mean, you have to think people are stupid idiots to believe this stuff. It, it's just... They, they're not doing good on their trust-building exercises. They need to do a little bit better on the World Economic Forum, Davos, try and convince us to trust them. Unbelievable. Ensuring the safety of your community. Shut up. We identify, develop, and implement the safety of your community. Sorry, I'm taking that back. Assisting state and local officials and private sector secure election in U.S. history in 2020. Sorry, I want to get that back to that moment so you guys hear the, the flow of it all. The most secure election in U.S. Back here. Success defines us as a nation. We supported the most secure election in U.S. history in 2020. Kick assisting rocks, state man. and local officials and private sector organizations. Ensuring the safety of your community. We identify, develop, and implement innovative measures that mitigate risks to soft. I want to take it back and I'm gonna, uh, tell you what's on the screen for those listening. As they were saying, talking about the measures, there's a, a booklet on the screen that says security of soft targets and crowded places, a resource guide, the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency. And they do have these resource guides on their website. They have tons of them and they are elaborate and detailed. 
and to implement innovative measures that mitigate risks to self-targets. All right, so the innovative measures, when they said that, there was a graphic up on screen that says bomb threat standoff card. I'm move this screen so I can see what exactly that says. And then it has the threat description. So it's like a bingo card, except it is for bomb threat standoffs. And it's from the Office for Bombing Prevention. And the threat, the threat descriptions they have are pipe bomb, suicide bomber, briefcase, suitcase, a car bomb, an SUV bomb, a small delivery truck, a container or water truck, or a semi-truck. So these are all possible ways of bombing according to this agency and then they have the explosive capacity of each and they have also looks like the mandatory evacuation distance of each so pipe bomb you want to be 70 feet away a semi-truck trailer you want to be 1570 feet away and then shelter in place so a lot of details and they're kind of glossing over them but all of this stuff is on their website to self-targets in crowded places. and it says if an item is suspicious you should and then they have the acronym rain R-A-I-N. Recognize the indicators of a suspected explosive device. Avoid the area. Isolate the suspected item and notify appropriate emergency services. And we know with Operation Flashpoint that they basically trained people that work at local hardware stores. One, how to make these things. And two, to call the FBI on anybody who just buys fertilizer. Places. Keeping our federal network secure, we help deploy robust capabilities to protect federal robust. systems. Recognizing continuous improvement is required to combat evolving threats. And, and of course, there's somebody sitting in the video here. One person's pointing at the screen. The other person is looking at it wearing a mask. Reducing risk to critical infrastructure. We work with partners to protect it by strengthening the security of industrial control systems. We cannot do it alone. Our collaboration and connection, our resources and tools, help our partners strengthen their own cyber communications and physical security. Building their own. So who is this woman they hired to do this voiceover? It's like, it's like she's advertising for depart their own cybersecurity. It's just a little. She's a little too optimistic and, and uppity for for this type of material. Communications and physical security. Building this culture matters because teamwork is how we achieve this secure and resilient infrastructure that makes us all safer. With your help, together. We can defend today, secure tomorrow. And it says defend today, secure tomorrow. With your help, we're stronger together. They might as well have had Hillary Clinton come on and say that at the end of this. We are stronger together. So that, yeah, so if that didn't seem like, you know, modern day something that you like you might see in uh, Germany, World, World War II, if, um, if they had modern technology, I don't know. That, that was one of the strangest videos I've ever seen in my life. And I've got a couple more strange ones that... I'm going to show you here. Okay. So back to what we were talking about. Tabletop the vote. And that's the organization putting on Tabletop the vote. Where were we? All right. Press release. We got that. And all right. The scenario packets I told you. Now what they also have, the way that they teach people to, there's a couple ways they teach people to fight against disinformation and misinformation. They have... Oh, I mean, they have so many resources on this. It's, it's, it's pretty wild, actually. You can get kind of caught in a, a rabbit hole just looking at all this stuff because it's like, wow, this is their playbook. This is what they're, they're telling other people to do. But it's just, it's just a lot of information to swallow. And 
My, fa- my favorite one, my favorite technique they use to help people learn how to fight against mis- and disinformation is they do it through graphic novels. It's true. They, they, have, they have provided some graphic novels. They wrote them. It's called the Resilient Series. And these graphic novels, there's two of them that I've found. They teach us how to protect ourselves from dangerous disinformation. And they also come with video trailers. So I, I thought about pulling up the graphic novels, but they're long and I haven't read them all. But I can pull up the video trailers for the graphic novels. The first graphic novel in the series is called Real Fake. Real Fake demonstrates how threat actors capitalize on political and social issues, especially around the election cycle, to stealthily plant doubt in the minds of targeted audiences and to steer their opinion. So that's what this first graphic novel is about. And I'm going to go through that graphic novel over the weekend, and maybe I'll have some more stuff. But for now, we're going to play the... Before I play the video, there's one little more description here. It says, readers follow a protagonist, Rachel and Andre, as they discover that a command center in Russia is using a network of troll farms to spread false narratives about elections to American voters. With the election coming up, Rachel and Andre follow the trail of synthetic media and stop the cyber assailants from causing chaos, confusion, and division. It's a hero story. And I think that reading that, probably the way that they stop it is what they're trying to project on people watching it or people reading it. So my guess is that they're on Facebook, they're looking at pictures or looking at things their friends say, and they're, they're comparing it with Russian disinformation. And they're probably calling the FBI and their friends. That, that's probably what happens in that. But let's see what the trailer says. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's, maybe it's completely different. Let's find out. All right. Here's the... As I said, I'm uh, working all the tech here on my own, so it's taking me a minute to pull some of this stuff up. But, nope, that's the other one. All right, here we go. Real fake. Let's do this. Share screen. Microsoft, uh, real fake. There we go. All right, here it is. This is the trailer for the real fake graphic novel to help you and I and our fellow Americans fight dangerous election disinformation. All right, so I just realized I did not put that on the screen because I'm an idiot. So let's put that on the screen. And here we go. Real Fake, the first graphic novel in SZA's Resilience series, explores the deceitful tactics of disinformation. Follow protagonists Rachel and Andre as they travel the world and expose a vast network, manipulating content and pushing American voters to the brink. With elections... All right, I have to take that back because I do want to tell people... I, I want to describe the visuals for those who are just listening. <laughs> we, we, we see an airplane. They're getting on an airplane. They're flying, I guess, to... Where is that? They're in, inside some... Uh, like one of those scenes from a movie. I think, I'm thinking X-Files because I've seen a scene like this where it's just a bunch of giant computers and databases blinking green and, and there's like a shadow walking through there. And then it cuts to somebody in a troll farm who... It looks like like, like an Elon Musk-like character or something on the screen, but this is clearly a troll farm, and there's people in hoodies. The hoodies are down, hacking, and one of them is wearing a red hat. Now, that, to me, is probably... I don't think that's a mistake. I think that's probably to try and make people have MAGA associations, in my opinion. I will let it continue. And pushing American voters to the brink. With elections coming up, will they be able to follow the trail of deepfakes and synthetic media and stop the... So with elections coming up, will they be able to follow the, the trail of deep fakes in the media? And it has somebody playing on their phone 
I guess, like deciding whether or not they're going to heart a social media post because that's where the threat is. And then all over the back of the screen, it says deep fake numbers, deep fake numbers, deep fake numbers everywhere. It's a weird thing. Deep fake numbers with a bunch of weird emojis. Of deep fakes and synthetic media and stop the real assailants from causing chaos. There's a guy going down an escalator in a purple hoodie who has no face. It's just complete darkness on his face. He's obviously a dangerous Russian troll. Confusion and division. Oh my gosh. And stop the real assailants from causing chaos, confusion, and division. Wow. Wow, that's very dramatic. I'm not sure if that's what they were intending at the end of this, but it looked like they were talking when they said real assailants. It looked like they were implying that that was a January 6th thing going on. So the disinformation is spread by the guy in the hoodie that has no face. And then as all the people who believe it, they go and they storm the Capitol. So we have to stop that. You know, democracy, repeat the line, end quote. Okay. So that, that was, that was that first one there. And I do have another one of those. And you know what I'll do this time, because <laughs> it's probably annoying that I keep stopping it is I'm going to play it through all the way. And uh, then I'll go back and I'll do it again. And I will describe the visuals. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that when it comes to people watching versus people listening. So my, my apologies on that. I will play the next one all the way through after I give you the setup for this next one here. All right. That was the real fake. Now, the next graphic novel in the Resilience series is called Bug Bites, but it's not B-I-T-E-S. It's B-U-Y or B-Y-T-E-S, excuse me. And it's part of the Resilience series again. It, Bug Bites demonstrates how threat actors use so-called media, social media, and other communication platforms to spread inaccurate information for the sole purpose of planting doubt in the minds of target audiences and steering their opinions. The exact same thing as the other. So they, they both have the same goal. The exact same goal in the description of these, just different ways of doing it. Channels of propaganda is what this is. Different ways to reach different people. So here is that one. This is Bug Bites, the graphic novel in the Resilience series from the federal government's effort to combat dangerous disinformation leading up to the 2022 election. Here we go. All right. Share screen. Share. Microsoft Edge, Bug Bites. There we go. Make that a little bit bigger so you guys can see it that are watching. And I will shut up and let this play. Once again, I have failed to put it on screen because I'm an idiot. My name is Ava Williams. Welcome to the beginning of my journey for truth. My father works at the local communications company and was ambushed in a tower he was called out to fix. His attackers were incited to violence by disinformation. They wrongly believed there's a link between 5G and COVID-19. Disinformation has caused too much pain. So, I'm taking the problem head on. This is the chairman. We don't have much time. I do have to read what it says there because it's just text. After after he said, this is the chairman, we don't have much time. I like this one better. This is ridiculous. It's like a superhero origin story. It's so stupid. So it says, uncover a disinformation campaign set to damage critical infrastructure. (laughs) 
Help the world see through the web of lies spun online. Phone ringing, unknown number. Wow. So that was very dramatic. I'm going to go through it again. I'm just going to give some of the visual uh, visuals. Is Ava Williams. And it starts off with the text on screen when she says that. Ava Williams, we live in a digital age where the world wide web is rife with misinformation and disinformation. Welcome to the beginning of my journey for truth. And so she's... My father... She's giving her backstory, is showing images of her and her dad, and her. Then it shows the violence that happened over five G. Because you know we've all been, a, we've all seen those people who, those violent five G conspiracy people who will burn down anything that stands in their way. We've seen violence break out over that five G stuff, and it shows a bunch of people wearing masks, like hoodies, not like not good masks, but actual masks that cover their everything except their mouth. So bank robber like mask that are these violent people. And then it shows them burning something. And then an ambulance shows up and her father was injured by dangerous disinformation caused her father to be injured. And there's an image on screen of her sitting by her father's hospital bed as he's got all the stuff on him and she is wearing a mask. So she's crying because dangerous disinformation put her father in a critical state in the hospital and she's got her mask on while she's sitting in the corner, her knees up to her chest, and she's crying. COVID-19. Oh, it was about COVID-19. 5G and COVID-19. Right, of course. Disinformation has caused too much pain. So, I'm taking the problem head on. All right, so she becomes a hacker, right? So, you know, the Punisher, his his daughter and his wife are killed. So, he, he sets out for revenge. Um, daredevil, he's blinded by some chemicals in the water or whatever, whatever the, the initial accent is. Get that off the screen. Is that? And, you know, then he, he learns, he learns karate when he's taken by the, the, the other blind sensei. But what she does when the threat faces her, her superhero origin story is dangerous disinformation about COVID and 5G. It started her her story, her vigilante story, and that she became a coder, and she 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 took the fight to them herself. This is the dumbest thing. I I I feel like I say this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen a lot because it's like a one-upmanship of dumbness, and you continue to do that. I'm actually impressed here though because somebody's job at the CISA, the Center for the, the Cyber Institute for Security Agency, tasked with overseeing and securing our elections under the purview of the DOJ, the DOD, whichever one. They have somebody assigned to, hey, who wants to write the graphic novel? Who wants to write the hero? Or So there's, they get creative writers, people who want to be script writers. And, and do, that, that's great to me that they have that little conversation going on because it's all about propaganda messaging. It's all about that. I don't know who on the planet is going to be influenced by what we just witnessed. I mean, that was an atrocity. I mean, that was truly, that makes me want to just bash my head against this, this table right here for, for like five minutes about how ridiculously stupid it is and how they, maybe, maybe perhaps they made it for that reason, to drive people like me crazy, to, to make me just rack my brain saying, who is influenced by this? Who sees this? And gets goosebumps and says, yes, me too. I also have had a family member 
get hospitalized over violence that erupted about 5G conspiracies, and I too want to become a coder, and I too want to fight back. Who is having that reaction to this? There has to be at least a couple of people. I mean, it kind of reminds me of those army ads where they're targeting like the least likely people to join the army while while also alienating the people who are most likely to join the army, which results in just a historically low recruitment rate that's putting them in jeopardy. It it reminds me of one of those. It's so out of touch that it feels like no one can be that out of touch. Can they possibly be that out of touch? Or is this made to drive me and you and others crazy to where we're bashing our heads against our desk until we just drop? Maybe that's how they want to get rid of people who question things, is they perplex us so much that we can't help but just slam our heads into things until it knocks us out, maybe permanently. Maybe that's some weird psyop that they're running here because I can't think of any person that I've ever come across who would swallow this BS whole. I mean, it is insulting. It is insulting. Unbelievable. They do these things when they make these videos. They have conversations about target audience, and they do research on target audience, and they have all the data. They have tons of data. They, they do keyword research. They look at comment sections to see what language people who they want to reach are using. They try and use the same language. So they had all of this conversation in a meeting with a boardroom, and they presented this and said, this is what we came up with. The superhero who 5G violence spurred into becoming a cyber disinformation war vigilante. Somebody presented that, and in a group of people said, yes, yes, that, yes, that's it. A number of people had to agree with this. What really ticks me off is I, I know what the rates for stuff like this is because I've been in the entertainment industry for a while. Whoever made that, the voiceover person, good for them. They probably just got hired as voiceover person. So they, they made good money. They, they made decent money to do, to do that. BS. Unbelievable. Man, I, I am, this has been a wild show because I'm in like a, uh, um, I'm in, a, I'm in my, I'm, I feel like lately I'm tired for one. I'm sure we're all a little bit tired, but I just looking at this stuff in the news, it just, it gets, it, you get fed up and it's like, when is something going to be different? You know, is it, everything, even when it, the surface of it is different, it's all the same. And it, it, it's not even trying to be, it's just so obviously the same. The best effort that I can see of someone actually trying to be different from what they are, even though they're still doing the same thing, is CNN's effort to rebrand itself, which we know that's an effort handed down from Davos, trust, build trust in the institutions, and we know that they are just delivering the same propaganda just in a little bit of a different way and pretending to actually view all sides when the reality is they're actually bringing in people who agree with them on the things that they view as important and agree with them on demonizing those who actually ask questions. And that is the thing about this whole MAGA Republican election denier BS. To to, to classify election deniers as MAGA Republicans is in and of itself a fallacy. You can deny, you can call people an election denier. I even find myself using the language because that's what they intend to do. They want to associate it with Holocaust denial, but you can question the election and not be a MAGA Republican. I know lots of people who are. You should question every, I've questioned every election since I've been able to really think about elections, since I've started thinking about elections. So 
I don't know, 15, 16, I, I, I don't know how long. Every single one of them I, I've questioned, all of them. And I, I wasn't a MAGA Republican when I, when I started doing that. I was a realist who I, I read a lot of history. I spent years and years reading propaganda history. I, I studied journalism. I studied economics in college. But what interested, interest, interested me the most was conspiracy stuff. And, and just I, I saw, and as you guys did, I saw the stuff just doesn't make sense. And they tell you to get things, they tell you things that should be a certain way and should be normal and say, but that doesn't make sense. Why? Tell me why, because that makes no sense. And they don't ever want to tell you why. So you start questioning things, as, as I'm sure you guys did. It's a, probably a similar story. This stuff has, but I'm not, they just say you're a MAGA Republican. It's such a fallacy. And it's obviously a demonization attempt because they know that. They, that's the whole thing. Solinsky talks about this. Bernays talks about this. Laswell talks about this. All of the people who've written about how to conduct propaganda, how they did it, how they successfully did it. It's all about picking an idea, a demon. You have one demon, the face of the demon that everybody can focus their energy on. For, for this, it's Donald Trump. You could argue for the other side of it, it's Joe Biden or it was Hillary Clinton. But you focus that energy there and then you have a few themes and ideas that you push. And anybody who doesn't agree with you, who isn't on your side, you, you're, you're with us you're, or, or the terrorist. That's what uh, George, George, w., George W. said. And it's that same mentality, and that's also talked about in a lot of this literature. You are automatically the thing that, that you're Hitler, you're Nazi Germany, if you disagree with them. That's it. Unbelievable. I mean, that, that's absolutely it. No reasonable freaking, there is no middle ground, there is no gray area. When political warfare gets this heated, when we get this close to an election cycle, they despise the gray area. They despise despise your questions. They despise your criticism. They despise analysis like it's the like it's truly Satan and their worst enemy. And it absolutely is. Falling into the trap of tribal warfare is their design. Resisting that, allowing yourself to live in the gray area, to embrace the cognitive dissonance, which is not is not an easy thing to do. It's like physically painful cognitive dissonance is in the brain. Because there's nodes in our brain that get conflict, get weird, and it causes literal physical pain. So it's not easy. But we must embrace the cognitive dissonance. We must live in the gray area. Because that is the thing they least want us to do. That is what they fight against the most. I've been doing all these motions. Like somebody shot a three-pointer in the NBA where they can say that I'm doing you know, the signal, which is total BS, is how people's hands naturally fall. I'm like, this has been, today's show has been like a, a word association exercise for me. So I have a structure of what I wanted to talk about. And I said, will I even be able to get 30 minutes out of this? Which is funny at this point, because there's no telling how long this has been at this point. And I've loosely stuck to that. And I've just gone on these nonsensical rants. Some of them sensical, but I'm just, I'm in a certain kind of mood today. And it's just, I don't... I'm just sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of it. I, I, I want to see stuff that I think a lot of people feel this way. I, I, I want something more interesting. I, 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 they're just beating us over the head with it. I think that's another reason that they have shifted some of the tone on CNN and some of the other networks and from politicians as well, which honestly, I, I just don't think it's a good attempt. I think it is an insulting attempt and some people are buying it. But that was a, a, a Yule's, I'm sure I said it wrong, but Propaganda, the Formation of Men's Attitudes. He talks about, it's a great book. I mean, it's, it's a long read because it's, 
It's funny. He's a great writer, but it it's a tough read for me because I had to keep going back and reading stuff because it was just it was some of it was so good. And he talks about how once we've been hit with these like blitzkrieg, this overwhelming, over the top propaganda for an extended period of time, that eventually the public is going to wear out, and that they have to have a a break. They have to give people, the public overall, a break from just the onslaught. Uh, he, he talked that we're always surrounded by this propaganda trying to affect us and form us in a certain way, but the really over-the-top, hard-hitting stuff that we've seen can only go on. It can only endure for so long before it just completely breaks people or they completely stop paying attention to it. And I believe that that is a little bit of what's going on here. I believe that they have seen some of the breaking point because it's like they have some networks trying to ease it back, although they're still delivering the same messages indirectly. We must not forget that. Brian Stelter's protege, Oliver Darcy, is in charge of the media analysis organization there at CNN. He's a guest on a bunch of shows. Same role Stelter played. He's in charge of the Reliable Sources, the newsletter, which, which they have there, siloed people locked into that newsletter. So the same thing's being delivered, just not as bombastically. It's giving people an emotional, physical even, break. And they do that because they don't want to lose us. They need to keep people hooked and attached. And I think that they might actually have not given themselves enough time because they are, we, MSNBC still hitting us hard with that over-the-top propaganda. CNN, honestly, in my opinion, is still too. They, they pretend to not be, but they are. But they have the Jan 6 hearings coming back here in like a couple weeks. They've been teasing that out. They probably should have given us a reprieve and gone just low propaganda, chilled out dog stories, cute puppies and baby stories for a couple of months to let everybody have a breather before they hit us with that. But they didn't do that. So I think people are going to be highly disinterested in this January 6th hearing as they have been for the entire time. My gosh, I have to stop ranting today. Unbelievable. Okay, I'm going to reorient, figure out where where I am, where I was. Um, okay, again, I, I do want I want to hear y'all's thoughts. What do you think is going to happen in the midterms? I posed this question earlier. I think it's going to be some sort of chaos. It could depend on what the outcome is. I don't know. Just reiterating the the ponderings that I was having because I want to hear from you guys on this. What do you think is going to happen? Is there going to be some sort of false flag event? Are they going to pretend to have thwarted a bunch of events? Are they going to wait until after and say they thwarted it? Or are they going to have events happen, pretend to thwart it? Or are they just going to let stuff happen? I really don't know. I am of the belief that if they really want to hammer home this domestic terrorism theme, this world economic great reset theme, and I truly believe it is part of that. I think that part of the great reset, the the success of it, which they said the worldwide public does not trust them. So that, that's, it's easy to get dark and down about this stuff. It can feel overwhelming. And I, I stop myself sometimes because I never, ever want to demoralize people. I never, ever want people to feel overwhelmed because I personally don't, I'm never demoralized by them, ever. I, 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 I see their stuff as, I, I look at it, it makes me angry uh, oftentimes, but also I can separate myself from it. I see it for what it is as, as you guys do, I'm sure as well, but like, I also know I also know friends of mine who who talk about it and they can get really down and out by it. And you know, one person 
can't take down a, a, a global a globalist structure by themselves. And, and they, they want it to be presented that way. And, and it's worth remembering the demoralization tactic of propaganda. Glaswell, Bernays, Solinsky, all of Batman, all of them. Demoralization, it is one of the main tactics of war, is you make yourself seem bigger and more threatening than you actually are when you're not as big as you are. When you're smaller, you make when you're big, you make yourself seem smaller so you can ambush them. But you make yourself seem more powerful, more, more, just everywhere, uh, omniscient, whatever the effing word is, I don't know, and, and, and like you have total control because you want to demoralize people because you are counting on their demoralization for you to succeed. That is a war tactic, and that is absolutely they would not be pushing this hard if that wasn't the tactic. So, simply. Finding ways to not be demoralized, to not be overwhelmed by that stuff is an act of resistance. It truly is. Because if they think that we're going to be down and out about everything, and we are, then we have no chance. Zero chance at all. I don't care if everything that we think about them is true. If they truly are evil demons, lizard people who can just you know snap us like a piece of celery. Demoralization still gives them what they want. None of that's true. They're humans like us, most of them, probably. I, I don't know, probably. But the very fact that we maintain a level of optimism in the face of this, there's no doubt. I mean, look at those. So I did, uh, I was just doing a warm up exercise, just playing around earlier. And I'm going to put the video, I'm going to give it to patron subscribers. And I just read the headlines on Drudge. I'm just reading the headlines and, and no no analysis of the actual story, just going through the headlines. <laughs> and it's just nothing but doom and gloom. No, nothing about the website is going to inspire any hope or optimism in any person on the plane. Nothing about it. So it's like you go to that website simply to be demoralized. That's it. I can't think of any other reason. Yeah, let me go see what Drudge has to say. Oh, it's all terrible and, and the world is coming down on me and there's nothing I can do about it. That's what the headlines tell you. And most people don't have time. They have jobs. They have families. They don't have time to actually read the articles and realize that the headlines are so far removed from what the articles actually convey. So they get that snippet just like they get that snippet from, from the media when the reality of all of those stories is different. It's always different. Uh, it's unbelievable how different it is once you like gl- start really looking at. And you guys know this, but the article often conveys the opposite of what what the or the uh, yeah of what the headline conveys. So we must not allow ourselves to submit to this demoralization, overwhelming campaign. And as I said, I try and not feed into that. I catch myself sometimes because I I realize I. I have a pretty high tolerance for it because I've been doing this for for a while and it doesn't affect me as as it might have when I when I was younger. So I don't I, I'm 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 a pretty happy go lucky person. I'm, I'm I'm serious, but I'm also uh, I I I don't take myself. It's one of my friends said this, and it's a, it was great advice. It's like take what you do seriously, but don't ever take yourself too seriously. Because that's when you start getting, things start to suck and people, you know, you're just a dick if you do that. And I try kind of, I try to have fun with everything I do, even if it's dark. And that's kind of my background, history of theater and comedy and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you don't want to be insensitive to people, but also even in darkness, there's light and there's laughter. And the darkness is a product of a demoralization campaign. And Whenever you're feeling down, I can't say this enough, and I, did, I didn't even mean to go on an inspirational rant. Like, I was going to talk about Stacey Abrams today. I was going to really get mad today. 
But I think I'm going to have to put that off because there's she's in the news. But so we have to like choose something. That, so the whole idea, we always say, don't do this and don't do that. And, and there's this guy who's actually a, a, a progressive. What well, I can't remember the guy's name. He's an old guy. He's a, a linguist. He's a linguistic guy. Not not the guy who, who was always, who can't talk anymore. Not the guy who wrote the media propaganda stuff. There's another guy. I have his book. I can't read. He wrote about metaphors and stuff. I'll have to find it. Anyway, I was listening to him do a talk, and he's totally, uh, he's a total Democrat, a progressive, and he's totally trying to demoralize people with his linguistic experience. But some of his other talks was about the way that we overcome the example that he uses is you can't tell somebody to don't think about a pink elephant. Because you can't think in the negative. You can't do, like our brains literally can't do, we will sit there and go, you can't not think about a pink elephant. You will just think about a, a pink or purple elephant or whatever. But what you can do is you can, you can go in the positive direction. You can say, think about a purple giraffe. So the way that you don't think about a pink elephant, if that pink elephant is a negative thing that is bringing you down, is instead of focusing on not thinking about it, which will just make you think about it, you focus on something different that occupies your mind. So you go in the positive and you focus intently on the thing you want to think about, the thing that makes you happy, the thing you want to be inspired by. Because that energy will make you completely, that other thing will go out of your mind. It doesn't reinforce it. And that's the whole idea is that when we reinforce these things in our brains is the nodes in our brains they're physical things. Like thoughts are actually physical things. And they get stronger and stronger the more that we think about it. So the more we say, don't think about a purple elephant, don't think about a purple elephant, the node in our brain thinking about a purple elephant gets stronger and stronger, making it harder and harder for us to not think about it. Up into a point of once those nodes get strong enough, they become unconscious. And we have to then manifest them and then actively think of other things to replace them. And, and the other positive things are the things we want to think about that replaces these other things we don't like, these thoughts we don't like. Now, at first, those nodes aren't as strong. I'm not a neuroscientist. This is all based on, the book is actually called, I think, Don't Think About a Pink Elephant or something like that. And let me look up the guy's name. You guys might be interested in, in reading this book. Uh, but it's very political, though, so, so it can be kind of conflicting. So it's like, it's telling, it's all the stuff I'm talking about, except it's talking about how Republicans are evil, which is, it saddens me that somebody who can give so much positive knowledge can still try and use it as propaganda. It is, what is the guy's name? Let's see. No, that's not it. Sorry, I'm trying to find this so I can give you guys this resource if you want to check it out. Hold on one second here. No. What is his name? The guy's old as F. Don't think about it. I, I broke down a bunch of podcasts that he used to do, and, and we had to put it on double speed because he, he was so, he's like 90 years old. Uh, book, here we go. It's got to be it. Here it is. His name is George Lakoff, L-A-K-O-F-F. He's a pretty well-known ling, uh, linguistic professor. So if you want to check that out, check it out, but know that it is a bit political. But the ideas behind it are, are very valid, and there's other sources that confirm them. It's, so we have to just keep thinking about that stuff 
that replaces it until those nodes get stronger and, and they replace the, the negative ones. And it does take time and it's hard and, and it's not easy, but that's why they try and overwhelm us with the demoralization stuff. It's because they don't want us. They want us even when we're not trying to think about it, to still think about it, to think about it in the negative. And all sides do that. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, whoever, libertarian, doesn't matter. I hate the labels. I hate the effing labels because the labels get co-opted. I mean, that's never been more apparent than with libertarians, honestly, when you look at that on social media. Who does more infighting on social media than libertarians? Who destroys themselves more than people who, who hold the libertarian banner when it comes to social media? Now, maybe those are plants destroying them. I, I don't know. But my gosh, I, I despise libertarian Twitter when they get all worked up and start having a pissing contest and fighting with each other about who's a better libertarian. Go F yours. Who cares? It doesn't matter who's a better label. This is a label. If, you, if your whole identity is based on a political label that is constructed by people who are trying to manipulate you, then that's time to start thinking about things differently. You can hold those values and you can put forward those values without binding yourselves to the stereotype that has been created and propagated about certain labels like Libertarian, Republican, Democrat. Because it is when we allow ourselves to be known uh, our, our whole identity being to, to be those labels is when we become those labels. We become those stereotypes. And, and all of the nuance and all of the other thoughts that might have been more associated with possibly other schools of thought, they fade away because we reaffirm the identity that has been imposed upon us through tribal warfare when our concern is about getting the other side. I'm everywhere today. Absolutely everywhere. I, I don't know if it's good or bad. I, I, I really, honestly, I don't know. I, I was, I'm letting myself be free on purpose today because I, I just want to see how it goes, honestly. And I, I, need, I wanted to get a show done, and I had a lot to talk about, and I did not have a lot of time to do a lot of editing. And honestly, because I also didn't expect to do like a two-hour show like I've done. I was going to do like a 45-minute show. I, I just, I'm just really worked up today, man. I'm sure you guys are too. This stuff can be maddening. I hope everybody's doing well, by the way. I, re I do. I, it's good to think about positive stuff, about lakes and, and sunshine and, and flowers and grass and putting your feet into a ball and, and, and gnawing your, the, the knuckles of your, of your feet onto, onto the grass. I, I always think about Die Hard when Bruce Willis, John, John McClane, he walks onto the plane at the beginning of Die Hard and I can't remember what it was. I think the guy says something about him being nervous flying. And he's like, I got a tip for you. You, know, you take your shoes off when you get to your hotel room. You ball up your feet into knuckles. And you just you bury them into the floor. And you, and you walk. It's the best feeling ever. And, and he's like, I've been doing it for 10 years. And then he sees John McClane's gun. Because back then you could carry guns on planes, I guess. And he gets real nervous. And he goes, it's okay. I'm a cop. Been doing it for 12 years. I, I look for any reason to inject the movie Die Hard into a conversation, just to give you guys reference to that there. But I, I, if you find yourself getting overwhelmed by this stuff, it's too much. Man, I'm going to do this. Like, write down a list of things that make you happy, make you smile. You know, whatever it is. It doesn't matter how small it is, how big it is. It doesn't matter. Write them down, things that you can do, and go do them. Just go do them and smile. Allow yourselves to smile. It's good. It feels good. It feels good to smile. It does. It feels good. Now I'm smiling because I see about Stacey Abrams, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to save that one. Uh, so I appreciate everyone's patience with me today. This has been a bit of a wild show, to say the least. And I am going to do a DMBXR. It's going to be brief. It's going to be about 15 minutes. And in that DMBXR, 
what what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to save the Stacey Abrams stuff for tomorrow because I want to do a little bit more fun stuff. I am going to give you one more quick, quick story before we go. But let me find my place here. So in the DMB XR, there was a story about... Where was it? All right. All right. So what we're going to talk about is a new docuseries. It's a new docuseries about conspiracies. And I'm going to talk to you guys about that for about 15 minutes. And I'm going to show you a trailer also. We'll see what you think about it. See if they capture conspiracy theorists well. And it's, it's on... It's on Peacock. It used to be NBC. So we'll see what their new six-part docuseries about conspiracy theorists are going to be in the DMB XR. And if you want to get access to the DMB XR, if you're still here and listening, then you go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. That is the subscriber-only portion of the show. And what you will also get during that is you also get this show, the DMB. You'll get that ad-free. So you're likely going to hear a few ads during this show. And what I do for the patron subscribers is I remove all of the ads for patron subscribers and you get that with the XR one fell swoop into one file. You get all of that. So go to patreon.com slash propaganda report to subscribe. That's how I continue to support the show. And I appreciate everybody who has supported and said great things and helped out in so many ways. I appreciate you guys so much. And the final thing that I'm going to talk about today before we move on, it's going to be a very, very brief thing here is that this woman during the, uh, I mean, it was a woman, it was a man, it, it, I think. Yeah, it was, a, it was a U.S. Open, the female side of the U.S. Open. We know that what's-her-name lost, and everybody's sad. I was hoping she'd win. I'm not a huge Serena Williams fan, but I, I think that, yeah, I think that she's, you know, so these athletes I can feel bad for sometimes because they are so, they're so iconic, the ones that are really good. Is Stephon, Stephon Curry, Michael Jordan, although Jordan didn't really do any of the political stuff, but a lot of these people who become these huge athletes that everybody loves, they are targeted by, by activists. I mean, what's his name? Colin Kaepernick. There was an activist, a well-known Black Lives Matter activist, a con artist, who was also a radio host in Los Angeles, who was dating one of his teammates when Colin Kaepernick had like his breakout season years and years ago. And so she then started hanging out, you know, sleeping with Colin Kaepernick and the other guy ends up like getting traded or, or going to sign with another team because of the conflict. And he was never political until he started seeing this, this woman who was a well-known activist. And she, she knew the platform, she knew the reach, she knew that he was a popular figure and she was putting her messages in his mouth. And everything that he was repeating was said by her before, was coming from her. And, and these athletes get targeted. Like I see Trey Young, I see others. They go to them and the athletes want to do something good. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to do something good and help people? You have all this money. You're a young person. You're in your early 20s in a lot of cases. And it's like, wouldn't you like to help out communities and do this and that who are disadvantaged? Of course. Of course they would. And they're not going to do all the research or whatever. Some of them, Aaron Rodgers did a lot of research. Aaron Rodgers definitely did. But a lot of them, they're constantly moving. They're practicing all the time. And they don't even, that didn't even cross their mind that somebody might be trying to con them. But they are. They're, they're, they're getting co-opted by these people delivering their messages. Often, years into their career, they realize it and they stop. But I, so I'm not going to be too hard on Serena, but I don't like her politics at all. She's an absolutely amazing tennis player. Unbelievable. I, when I saw Tiger Woods cheering her on, there were some images of Tiger Woods cheering on Serena during her match. I got some goosebumps about that because that was Tiger. He's in, what, his mid-40s. Serena's, what, she's in her early 40s, 41 maybe. And he's saying, yeah, yeah, she's still a bad A. 
and he was he's still a bad A too. So I, I support that and. I was hoping she'd go further, but she did good. You know, she was an amazing tennis player, but that is not even related to the story. Man, I just keep talking today. Sometimes I just, I, 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 I just, I, I can understand. I can understand sometimes when uh, I've gotten in, in conflicts with, with exes of mine when I've gone on rants when they've been like, yeah, yeah, I did. I, just, I did just keep talking, didn't I? You're right. You're absolutely right. I need to listen. Listening is an exceptional skill, by the way. One of the best things I learned from improv is active listening. Back to the story I I teased like five minutes ago. All right. (laughs) Not even, it's a lighthearted story. So there's this chick at the U.S. Open playing and there was a a bug. Uh, Here's from the article. It's Danielle Collins and she was playing this heated match and during the second set, there was a bug who kept bothering her while she was trying to serve. So she's trying to serve. And I can, I bet that, that is pain. You're trying to throw a ball up in the air and a bug keeps flying in your face. I mean, that, that's got to be distracting. So a ball person came over and tried to take care of the insect. And the ball person didn't want to kill the insect. They just wanted to, they wanted to carry it out of there. And so there's video of the, and it's like a, you know, it's flying around. It's not like crawling on the ground. So this person's trying to catch it. And she's on their knees trying to catch it. And, and then the tennis player stops and, like, helps helps the ball girl try and catch it until they finally escort it. In fact, I can show you the video of it here, actually. Let's do that. Let's look at the video of them trying to escort this insect out of here. And, and I'll tell you why I brought this up after I show you the video here. And I will describe it to the best of my ability to those who are listening. All right, here's the article. And add to stream... Here's the video. Yeah, that happened to match. We saw her play last week. And it's loading. She did the same thing with a with an insect that she made sure was properly moved. <laughs> Safely. Properly taken care of. Safely. Animal lover. Relocation. <laughs> Not sure the ball people are trained for this, are they? Okay, so for those watching, what you saw is you saw the, the ball girl go down and, and get the insect and, and get it out of there with, without killing it. And I heard some people talking about something similar not long, long ago. I can't remember who it was, but they were making fun of it, and they were calling it a, a leftist progressive thing. And it's like, I don't think it's that. I, I get it. I've killed a lot of bugs in my day. We've all killed a lot of bugs, whether intentionally or or unintentionally, but all I'm saying, all I'm saying here is that that ball girl who was going to so much effort during the U.S. Open, holding up the U.S. Open briefly, to save that bug that probably was only going to live who knows how much longer, maybe a few hours, who knows. It's not like a Democrat, Republican, progressive thing. It's really, in my opinion, just the way you would want a giant to act if you were about to get stepped on by it. That's all I'm saying. That's how I would want a giant who could destroy me in one fell swoop to behave if that were me in that situation. That's what I think about. And I, and I know that I, you know, we, and here I am qualifying. Yeah, we've all stepped on bugs. Whatever. We step on bugs. It doesn't matter, though. Maybe there's giants and we're bugs to them. So I would like for them to scoop me off of the U.S. US open court in their hands and throw me to safety, even if I do fly into a wall and immediately end up 
smashing my brains all over the place, whatever. And that's how I'm going to end the show today. Thank you again. This was an experiment and I appreciate it. I appreciate those who watched. I appreciate those who listened. And I appreciate the support and the comments and all the great stuff. Um, there are going to be some changes that are going to be made. I've neglected a lot of the messaging and stuff that I, I need to catch up on. I didn't realize that there were a lot of messages that I had gotten on Patreon. I did not see them. And I'm going to go through them, and I will be responding to them in the uh, the next week. And I apologize for not seeing them. I, I simply I did not see them. I didn't get notifications because they, they go to a different email. So I will catch up on those. I appreciate you guys listening. Again, if you want to get the exclusive content, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. We will talk to you guys next time. You can find the Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast on any podcast app that you listen to. Have a fantastic rest of your day.